Welcome to Midweek in the Word, where each week we seek to become better readers, hearers, and doers of God's Word. This podcast is brought to you by Faith Bible Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Now, here is your host, Faith Bible Church's Adult Ministries Pastor, Pastor Brad Myers. Hello again, listeners, and welcome back to Midweek in the Word. Thanks for taking the time to join us as you're along for the ride. Um, and welcome to what is the final episode of our What Does the Bible Say About series. It's, it's been such a joy uh, to walk through all these topics over the course of this year and the last few months. We hope you've enjoyed the teaching. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion and the guests we've had on the podcast, the opportunity to hear from a number of voices, the opportunity to understand what's kind of core and essential, what is disagreed about but within orthodoxy, and then look out for some of those heresies as we've moved through these different topics that the Bible talks about. But before we wrap up this series, uh, we just have to finish our discussion on the end times on eschatology. We started this last week, uh, so I'd encourage you to listen to that episode if you didn't catch it last week before you listen to this one. We'll continue that conversation uh, here on the podcast. Um, but before we get to that, I've got to introduce my guest here. Back with me again is Tom Rempel, Faith Bible Church's preaching pastor. Thanks for coming back, Tom. Hey, thanks for putting up with me for the whole year. Appreciate it. It's been a it's yeah. been a joy. It's it's been fun to have some guests, but it's been yes. fun to kind of hit our rhythm and get back to some of these topics. Yeah. And and thank you for returning for the second part yeah. of this. Hopefully, yeah. the first one wasn't uh, too painful on that yet. But uh, I'm looking forward to wrapping up yeah. this discussion. Uh, but before we get to that, let me just remind you, listeners, um, that this last Sunday Tom was teaching from Hebrews three one through six, uh, where we see Christ as the Son shown to be greater than Moses as the servant. As we continue to that discussion in Hebrews as Tom continues to preach through that. Uh, if you missed that message or have missed any of the other ones in Hebrews, I'd encourage you to check out our website, faithbiblelincoln.org. You can hit the resources button and the sermons feed button, and you can find any of those old messages, whether Tom's in the pulpit or whether somebody else is filling in for him, and you can catch up on any, any messages that you may have missed. You can also search for Faith Bible Church Lincoln, Nebraska, wherever you get your podcasts, and you can find our podcast sermons feed. It has a black background, white letters. That's our sermons feed podcast, and you can catch up on any that you you've missed um, if you've been out of town or weren't able to join us for Sunday morning sometime. Now, Tom, I've already mentioned that last week we began this discussion on, on what will happen at the end of history, uh, as this discussion on eschatology and the end times. Uh, we'll wrap up that topic today uh, by, by walking through just final pieces of this puzzle. We talked about kind of the millennium. We talked about the return of Christ last week. Um, but we're going to kind of finish that discussion and go, what takes place after that mm -hmm. here on this week's episode? And once again, I just want to start off by reading our doctrinal statement. This is the same statement we read last week, but there's probably a different emphasis on which part we're going to be talking about this week. So listeners, let me just remind you, this is what Faith Bible Church's doctrinal statement says at the end of it on the end times. Uh, we believe that this present age will culminate in the coming day of the Lord when believers will be caught up and forever be with him. We also hold that this coming day of the Lord will manifest the just wrath of God on an unbelieving world, followed by an a thousand-year rule and reign of righteousness by the Lord Jesus Christ. Most of that is what we covered last week. And then, final judgment, and a new redeemed heaven and earth then will come. That's basically our discussion for this week's episode. So after yeah. Christ's return, after the millennium, after the tribulation, after the rapture, all of those pieces that we kind of discussed last week... What takes place? What what does the Bible say will take place after Christ's return and the millennium that we discussed last week, Tom? Well, it's it's interesting when you read you know Genesis to Revelation, uh, 
you, you start out with paradise and this glorious beginning and this purposeful destiny for man created in the image of God. And then you've got fallen man in a fallen world for mm. book after book after book. And when it comes to what it's going to be like after the millennium, it, then you've just got a little narrow piece of real estate. Yeah, but very true. The, the, the first thing is, I, I'll just read quickly from Revelation 20, that a thousand years were ended, Satan will be released from his prison, will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, to gather those nations for battle. Their lumber's going to be like the sand of the sea. Mm-hmm. They'll march over the broad plain of the earth, surrounded by the camp of the saints, the beloved of the city, and fire will come down from heaven and consume them, and the devil who had deceived them will be thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So uh, the first thing that we celebrate is that after a millennium, then finally there is going to be the victory, the cosmic mm-hmm. conflict will all be resolved. So it, it, uh, the finish, the winner has already been declared, but the battle continues to rage on. It will stop at that point. I, l- I love that you bring up that topic. I, ironically, I was just having a conversation with my five-year-old at home about this. <laughs> uh, we, were, we were reading from one of his children's Bibles, and it was talking about how Satan was defeated when, when Christ died and, and rose huh. again, right? And he was like, that's confusing. So what's going on? So when does Satan get when does Satan get thrown into hell? And I'm like, okay, you're right. That is a little confusing. He's already been defeated, and yet he's still around yeah. tempting us. But one day, Christ yeah. will ultimately uh, finish that war and, yes, and put yes. Satan in hell. That, that, the unnerving part about this is is that uh, Satan is about we we have you utopia as it were for a thousand years mm. during which children are born. So even in a perfect environment. He is still Satan when he is released. He's bound. He's released for that period of time. And he is able to rally a massive army of people, just like mm-hmm. the fallen angels cited with Lucifer in first or in Isaiah 14. He's able to rally a massive opposing army against the King of Kings and the Lord of mm-hmm. Lords to wage the battle. But then finally he is bound forever. And then with that, there is going to come the judgment, of course, and all of that uh, for, the, for the saints is the declaration that their name is written in the book of life, and they can live forever and ever with him. But then we also have the creation of a new heaven and a new earth. And uh, in Second Peter, it says that in the first cleansing of the earth, it was done by the unleashed waters of the heavens and the earth by the universal flood. This time it won't be by water, but it'll be by fire. Mm-hmm. And so the, the earth will be purged, it will be purified, and you, you see that picture of the purification of by fire all through the scripture. The ultimate final fire will clean the earth, and then it will be populated, it will be new, all new mm-hmm. again, and Eden will be restored. And, and then the saints is, uh, will be reigning with Christ. Christ will rule and reign as he has from the beginning and should have been all the way along but he was opposed by Satan. But suddenly now, humanity is restored to their original destiny. So he created them to rule and to reign over all creation. And finally, they'll be able to do that in a sin-free world. It's going to be a marvelous thing. Yeah, the the end of Revelation is such a beautiful picture of the undoing of Genesis 3, where so many of those things get reversed, and we see the new heavens and the new earth. We see let me ask you a question on that that just occurs to me now as we're sitting here talking that I've, that I've fielded from people before, uh, and it goes something to the, longs of the lines of, 
I get why there's a new earth. Why does there need to be a new heaven? Yeah. What, what, what's that all about? Well, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly I can answer it, except yeah. that in the present heaven, according to Job chapter 1 and 2, all of the angels, both the faithful angels and the fallen angels, appear before the throne. Yeah. Satan comes as the accuser of the brethren. And yet, so you say, well, how can a holy God look upon? But he was held accountable. Where have you been? Well, I've been traveling throughout the earth. We go know from Second Peter, he's doing that so he can mm-hmm. seek and say, or, or to discover those that he could devour like a roaring lion. So I, I can't exactly answer except that sin is so defiling mm-hmm. that even he's even going to redo heaven in order to take it back to what it mm-hmm. was before. So I, I don't know... I think it's I think it's talking about the real heaven and not just the intermediate mm-hmm, heaven of the mm-hmm. scars the and the sun yeah, and yeah, all yeah. that. Yeah, there's you know Paul said he was caught up into the third heaven, yeah. but I can't find anything in my mind biblically that explains why, mm-hmm. except that he originally created heaven and he just does a whole new creation. Mm-hmm. So you know it picks up on that in Second uh, Corinthians five. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. So. God is all about creating over what he had created in the beginning and making it right. And so mm-hmm. he says in Revelation, he's going to make all things new. Mm-hmm. So all things includes everything that he created, which would include mm-hmm. the heavens, I guess. Well, and I do find it a little bit fascinating, and I don't know if it clarifies or not, too, that the, the idea that you know God's, God's final words in Revelation, right? My, my dwelling place will be among men. Yeah. You know, we're heaven being God's dwelling place now, yeah. and that's obviously, <laughs> we don't see that yeah. here. Yeah. And yet there is a reality that, almost a merging of heaven and earth yeah. and the final destiny of this creation. Yeah, when you, when I think it's really cool, too. Like I said, the only text we have to deal with is, is chapter, you know, really, is chapter 20, 21, right. 22. <laughs> but but it, it, it seems as though that, that recreated heaven is going to be a free access between heaven yeah. and earth and a free transmission from one to the other and freedom to travel back and forth and all. Um, so, you know, it'll, it'll center on his holy hill in Jerusalem, you know, in the mountain there, and yet that access, so perhaps it has something to do with that, the merging of the two or blending of the two. But we will both confess that we do not entirely know. We <laughs> that do, we not, do know. not entirely know, <laughs> as most people win when it comes yeah. to this. Now, you've already mentioned, obviously, that there's a fairly thin slice of Scripture that really deals yeah. with this exhaustively. Revelation 20, 21, 22, is there anywhere else we kind of get hints about any of this, or is it pretty much just that section? Well, it, it, you know, I... It, Ezekiel talked about it a lot. You, you've got if you read Ezekiel in in poetic, you know, format, he's described uh, a new heaven and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And then Isaiah described what it's going to be like. And you get to the latter part of Isaiah, and and what is it going to be like? Because you got the you got the thousand year reign of Christ, but then now you have the eternal reign of the King yeah, of Kings and yeah. Lord of Lords. So those promises made will ultimately be fulfilled in that. You know, the, there are a number of psalms that mm. speak, you know, better is a day in your courts than a thousand years here. You know, it's like, okay, there is a there is a place where God dwells, sits on his throne and reigns. And so the, the wonderful hope of the saints for many years is to be in his presence yeah. and to see his face. I was thinking of the number of times 
throughout the scripture where men long to see the face of God. So there's that yeah. that that urge, that promise, even to Jacob wrestling with the angel, knowing that if the sun comes up and he sees the face, it's the end of his life. So yeah. all, all of those Old Testament pictures, and I think they're in uh, parable form in the Gospels. There are descriptions of what this life will be like when we get there. So you can get snippets. But it doesn't really come together as a package until you get the last three <laughs> chapters of the book. And even then, admittedly, we don't get all the detail that no. we would really like to get. You know, we have all sorts of questions. I mean, again, books are yeah. written constantly about this experience in heaven or all yeah. of those sort of things. And the reality is we, we just don't know. We just don't know exactly what it's going to look like. We know that Christ will be there. Yeah. We know that we'll be there with the redeemed. We know that tears yeah. will be gone and pain will be gone and it'll be eternal. Other than that, it's a lot of speculation, yeah. truthfully, about what heaven is going to be like. And we think about it uh, always in terms of the place, you know, mm-hmm. the river that runs from the throne, the tree of life planted on both sides of the river who changes it for the only calendar in eternity yeah. is the changing of the fruit. And, and, you know, we think about the pearly gates and the, and the gold-plated streets and all that. But quite honestly, when you get to Revelation 21, 22, it's more about the person yeah. that is there. We will have full access to God, our Creator, and we will have intimate fellowship with Jesus, our Savior, and that's the highlight yeah. of it. Yeah. And regardless of exactly how you interpret some of those passages, yeah. the imagery is meant to point to the greater reality. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the river and the tree and all those things, but those are meant to speak to yeah. the life-giving presence of Christ. Uh, and and it, it will be a season... We will have work to do, you know. It will yeah. be a signed task and all that. My, my dad was always talking about, when I get to heaven, I guess the only job I'll have is to preach. I said, who are you going to preach to? <laughs> yeah. you got to stand in line with some pretty great preachers. Everybody will know history. what you have to say yeah, already. Like, yeah. All those Old Testament. It's like, so we're trying to figure out what that is, but primarily we're, we'll be working with joy. Work will just simply be our calling. It won't be labor anymore. And uh, But the... Mostly it'll be a, a time of worship, celebration, just continually declaring the worth of the one that redeemed us. And so we, we will join the thousands in worshiping him. But it's just not one extended worship gathering, as it were. It'll be life the way it was meant to be. So yeah. you probably understand what it's like after the millennium best by reading Genesis 1 and 2. Yeah, and yeah. So you read the first two chapters and the last two chapters, you've got a pretty good snapshot of what eternity is going to be like. Yeah, the renewed place that the people are in with the renewed hearts, yeah. you know, that, that we needed in our in our proper place, exercising yeah. dominion and rule over the new heaven or the new earth at least. Uh, it's an interesting thing to think about and it's a it's a joy to think about as well for those that are believers. And okay. us landscapers, there's no more weeds. There there yeah, you go. It's going to be great. I would take that. I <laughs> I could even get into into landscaping I think if there was no weeds to fight admittedly. Okay, so last week it's interesting that we talk about eschatology and everybody thinks millennium, everybody thinks rapture, everybody thinks Christ's return, tribulation. And that's where there's a lot of debate. There's a tremendous yeah. amount of debate within orthodoxy on that. Is there really much debate in spite of the lack of content in the Bible around kind of this final part of scripture? Yeah, I don't I don't hear a lot of disagreement when you get to the last two chapters. Um, again, maybe it's it's what leads up to it, the timing yeah. issues, but as far as knowing that the return of the Lord Jesus is going to restore that which was lost in the fall. I think we all agree that that's the glorious hope. And uh, I, I think the, the the more the world around us spirals out of control, the more our hearts long for that day. Mm. 
And so regardless of what your position is on the other things, the reality is that you'd say today is a great day for the coming yeah. of the Savior. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's an incredible unifying effect. We, yeah. we debate about the potential for yeah. the pain. Uh, yeah. We're pretty unified about the joy yeah. of the future <laughs> after yeah. that. Very good. How, how about heresies? Are there anything related finally to this that are heresies we need to watch out for? Well, I don't, I don't know about heresies in particular, but certainly some misinterpretations. You know, again, uh, there, there are those who say that all, that all of the book of Revelation has already been fulfilled with the fall mm-hmm. of Jerusalem in 70 AD at the hands of the Romans. And, and, and so I think that's misleading. I don't know why I'd call it a heresy because I know some very godly people that believe that. Yeah. But uh, I can't think of any specific heresies of, that evangelicals would be bombarded with at mm-hmm. this point. Uh, yeah. you know, it means there's some, some non-evangelicals you know, that it, 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 it believe Jesus was one of many prophets and things like that. Right, you know, right. this, this eternal reign of Christ is confusing because he's, we, we're supposed to become gods like him yeah. in certain. But, but again, in evangelical circles, I can't think of any specific. And obviously, we've already, when we were dealing with the subject of salvation and eternal security, we've, we've dealt with the concepts of heaven and hell. We've dealt with the yeah. eternality of heaven, eternality of hell, the fact that there's, there's, it's, it's appointed for man once to die and then face judgment, and there's no moving from heaven or hell to no. the other side. Yeah, so we, we've addressed some of those, but obviously those would be related, yeah. uh, those, hell, or those, those heresies of denying the reality of hell or yeah. some of those sort of things. Yeah, I would, I, you know, the doctrine of annihilation and things yeah. like that rather than... Yeah, I, I don't think heaven is as, uh, how do I say it, uh, the, the depth of our appreciation for heaven is elevated when we come to the grips with the reality of hell yeah. and the fact that there is a chasm fix you can't cross. Yeah. 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 So some of those listeners that we've already mentioned in the past would definitely be worth considering on this yeah. idea. Though, to your point, I don't know there's a whole lot of disagreement or heresies related to the final victory of Christ. Nobody really takes issue with that. Final judgment of Christ. Again, it's, it's, it's more the, the heaven and hell aspect. Okay, so finally, and this is, this is probably the best thing to dwell on in our discussion this week, is how does this impact the way we live? Last week, we talked about the hope. We talked about holiness. We talked about how knowing Christ is coming back has a relevance for today. How does specifically this reality of Christ's final victory, his, his final judgment, the new heaven and the new earth, how does that impact the way we live? Well, it, I think it's motivation, again, to endurance. Yeah. And, uh, and we're looking forward to something that is glorious. And just as certain as his first coming was fulfilled, the promise of it, so his promise of the second coming. I think about Hebrews 12, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that so clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is spread before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, is seated at the right hand of the throne. So it's just a, it encourages us to press on mm. because we know there's a glorious conclusion to the story. Yeah. Yeah, and I, even even the fact of you know we we haven't talked a whole lot about like the the crowns and rewards yeah, for an obedient yeah. life uh, much on the podcast, yeah. but we we get that idea of there there is there is reward for yeah. faithfulness in life, but but the the cool part is that it all points to ultimately throwing those crowns at Christ's feet, yeah, yeah. as well, and that that really yeah. is is what culminates in here and saying yeah. like we live an obedient life motivated by the salvation we have purely by faith in Christ alone. 
and yet we're rewarded for that faith that we've been granted anyway, yeah. and then we throw those crowns right back yeah. at Christ's feet again. Nobody, nobody wants to show up at that worship service empty-handed. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. it's really a good encouragement, I think, to all of us as far as imagining the fact that one day that that will be the case. Like, not to mention just, um, you know, I mean, I know a few weeks well, it's been a few months ago now, exactly, when, when I was preaching on Revelation, one of the things that came up, you know, is what is the end of man, right, mm-hmm. in, the, in the Westminster Catechism, right? The idea that man's aim is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Yeah. And that really is yeah. what we'll see restored one day. Yeah. I mean, what, what a source of joy, yeah. you know, if we can't, even in the trials, even in the hardness of this life, if we can't find joy in the fact that one day we will perfectly be with Christ, yeah. we will worship Him and enjoy His presence forever. Uh, and it, I think it also, as, as we talked, I think last week, it, it keeps us from settling in and getting too comfortable where we are. Yeah, yeah. Because it it, it gets better than this, yeah. and uh, we have a tendency to say, "Well, it's just okay." It's kind of like it's like the captive Israelites when they were in the land of, of Babylon, and then they were given an opportunity to go home, and most of them said, "No, I think I'll just stay here. I want to mm-hmm. go back." And so it, it's that longing for that day when all is made right and we're home with the Savior. It's, yeah, so continue to live with our tiptoes looking for that moment. Yeah, you know? expectantly and not hold too tight to the things of this world. Yeah. Uh, very true. I, I, I know for me the best, the best illustration, and I, I, don't, I don't think I've shared it before on the podcast, the best illustration I've ever heard of uh, on this subject is like imagine, imagine that you find yourself and you're, you're traveling somewhere in the world and you're on an airplane and your airplane goes down over the sea, and you end up you end up stranded on a deserted island with twelve of your I don't know teammates or whatever the case might be. You're stranded on a deserted island, and you you're like, okay, we got to figure it out. You got to find water, got to find food, got to find shelter, all this sort of thing. And you begin to figure that out. You, get, you know, and some of you are good at making huts, and some of you are good at finding water, and some of you are good at hunting. And, and you begin to figure this out, and you begin to go, okay, we got to find a way to barter and exchange goods. And okay, very quickly you go, okay, well, well there's no currency here, so we're going to start to exchange she- seashells, right? And so, okay, so seashells and the people that are good at it begin to accumulate more seashells as they build <laughs> they build this value of things. Um, and then the question is asked, okay, so this, this person is now in charge because they've got the most money, they've got this massive heap of seashells, and then the helicopter arrives and you're found and you're headed home. And that person who had amassed all this wealth, that had amassed all these things, everything that they thought was valuable, yeah. all of a sudden that economy is totally gone and it's yeah. of absolutely nothing. Yeah. And what was really valuable becomes very, very apparent. Yeah. And that illustration, I think, is very, yeah. you know, I mean, thinking about that, when the new, when the old earth is wiped away and a new yeah. earth replaces it, those things that we were clinging too tightly to will become, you know, when the, when the things of earth will grow faintly, or <laughs> how does that lyric go? Yeah. Uh, things um, grow strangely dim yeah, in, in the, the light, light of his glory and grace. Exactly. I yeah. think that idea is very much the case. Well, listeners, like I said, this is the final episode for this series on what does the Bible say. So with with a heavy heart, we are wrapping up this discussion, and that's what we have for this week's episode. Uh, Let me just remind you of kind of what we talked about here as far as what does the Bible teach will take place after Christ's return, after the millennium. Um, We see the final victory, you know, Christ's final victory over everyone in rebellion against him, Satan, but also the army he accumulates against God. We see this final judgment, the sheep being separated from the goats, that that idea. 
And then we see this creation of this new heaven and a new earth, this, this final place uh, for us to live for eternity. We see this in Revelation 20 through 22, obviously. Primarily, though, to your point, we see it a lot of Old Testament prophets yeah. as they hint at something that they didn't fully understand yeah. at that point. Um, not really much in the way of disagreement. It's amazing how when something <laughs> is this good, there's not a whole lot of reasons to disagree <laughs> with each other. Um, but there are a couple things to be watchful for uh, related to the heresies, but not, not a whole lot here, assuming you're not denying the existence of hell and some of those sort of ideas. But the remembering that, that Christ will ultimately mm-hmm. create a new heavens and a new earth, that he will ultimately judge everything, that he will ultimately be victorious, is a motivation for hope. It's a motivation for... And I love that you use that word longing. You know, yeah. we should... We should encourage each other. So many of the New Testament epistles, the encouragement is be faithful because Christ is coming back. Be faithful because there is an eternal impact to what you're doing today, regardless of how easy or how hard it is today. Any final thoughts or encouragements for our listeners, either on this topic in particular, Tom, or on the whole series as we wrap it up this week? Well, if this is the last one, we probably can't go wrong going to the last chapter and the last words of the book. And... uh, It says, in the spirit and the bride, that is the church, you and I, the believers, our mission is still to invite others because there is coming a day. Come and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. He who testifies these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. I think that's the best one. Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, listeners, that is it for this week's episode. That is it for this seasons series. We will be moving into our next series here in the coming weeks. But let me just remind you that this coming Sunday, uh, Tom will be in Hebrews 3, verses 7 through 19, where the author encourages us to not have hard hearts like the people of Israel, and they missed out on the rest that God had provided for them because of their hardness of hearts. I'd encourage you to read that in anticipation for the message. Pray over that section of Scripture as you anticipate hearing that message on Sunday. We hope we see you at either our 9 o'clock or 10.30 services. We'd love to have you. We'd love to say hi, and we hope you come and are encouraged by that message as well. And thanks for taking the time to join us for this episode, for this series. If it's been helpful to you, just remember you can share it, rate it, or comment on it to help other people find it. And we hope you join us again next week for Midweek in the Word. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To learn more about Faith Bible Church, please visit our website at www.faithbiblelincoln.org. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Faith Bible Church, Lincoln, Nebraska, or on Twitter at the handle at FBC Lincoln. As for this week, we'll leave you with Paul's words to Timothy. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith.